What's poppin' everybody? This is Logan Murdoch from Real Ones, and I have some big news to share. On Saturday, February 18th, the Ringer NBA show will be hitting the road for All-Star Weekend for a live show in Salt Lake City. You heard that right. We are taping the pod in front of a live audience in Salt Lake next month, and we want you to join us. Pull up on us at the Stateroom in the heart of downtown Salt Lake. You can grab your tickets now at thestateroom.com. That's thestateroom.com. Doors open at 9 o'clock. Show is at 10. It's going to be a 21 and up event. Come hang with the gang and chat. Mid-season updates, draft preview, and even have a Q&A with us. Space is limited, so grab your tickets while they last at thestateroom.com or click the link in the description of this show. Hope to see y'all in there. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here, J. Kyle Mann there. And welcome to the Real Ones Trade Deadline Extravaganza. J. Kyle Mann, how you doing, bud? How are you feeling at this very moment? Are you, are you, are you, are, what is your, what is your overall vibe after this whirlwind? Uh, just trying to come down a little bit and get my, uh, get my bearings. I'm the little kid in the, in the gift that is doing the whoa thing. Like the wind is blowing, the, the wind literally is blowing like tornado hard in Kentucky right now, but that's, uh, maybe that's because, Logan, the symbolism, the winds of change, man. The winds of change in basketball. There was a strong wind, I think, today. And there is sort of a weird weather. I was thinking as I was driving out, I had to drive out to my parents this morning, but I was uh, I was thinking to myself, I was like, we get in warm weather, and then uh, it seems like we can't get that kind of weather this time of year without some kind of horrible like rain or like crazy wind. And I was thinking like Denver fans have to be feeling like that. You know, they were feeling <laughs> like I was thinking Denver fans have to be thinking man, we had this sunny situation. We were like, they saw the open road ahead of them. They were like, we got this team. We finally got right. And then the yeah. the whole league just, it turned to arms race was used. Like I heard that phrase over and over again, man. Te- teams were just like really seizing the moment. It seemed like today it's, it's the kind of trade deadline that we like, right? It was just chaos, chaos, carnage. Well, in one of those big gusts of wind, Kevin Durant was traveling to Phoenix and a monumental trade that happened last night. Him, 
and TJ Warren to the Phoenix Suns for Mikael Bridges, my, one of my faves, friend of the show, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four unprotected uh, first-round picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, 2029, plus a 2028 pick swap. There's so many ways we can go down here first. We can we could talk about the ramifications in all ways, but as we texted before this pod, uh, Kyle, a shit ton of picks, and I think that that is the... the that is one of the going rate for a superstar like Kevin Durant, but that has also been the theme of this trade deadline is just everybody trading for the future. Who won this trade very, very early? And what are the immediate ramifications that come to mind for you uh, when you think about this KD to, to Phoenix trade right now? Uh, I mean, the immediate ramifications for the West is that these guys are going to be impossible to guard. I mean, you've got two really good movement shooters. You've got like the like Trump alpha dog isolation score still in the world. I, you know, Kevin probably, I don't know, how many more years do you think he has left of being this guy? I'd say at least three, you know, and especially at his size, I think you factor in how he ages and how he's going to be able to affect like a championship level team. It's different for other people because as we've seen, you know, I hate this word, Trump, because it's kind of morphed over the years. Just that's how stinky it is. But he trumps. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the ultimate offensive Trump card there is. And, and it's like it's different than talking about how Chris Paul's going to age or how even LeBron's going to age. It's a different kind of a thing. So you think about what the Suns got here. So, I, you know, whether or not Chris Paul fits how long he fits into this dynamic, I think the Booker Durant thing is even more compartmentalized from that. Um mm-hmm. And I think for me, when I initially saw this trade, I know I heard people kind of talking on and on about how like great of a haul it was for Brooklyn. I'm like, I I love Bridges and, you know, I, and I know and I love Camp Johnson, too. I've been a big fan of his. I'm looking at it and I'm like, it feels a little low on the like star certainty sort of thing, uh, because you think about like in 27 and 29 if this is still like a thing, you know, if this is still like an experiment that's going, I guess it's just a simple question of like, how bad are the suns going to be in 27 and 29? Are they going to be in a reset by then? Um, You're, you're banking on that. I thought that they might move bridges again. You know, that was something I was keeping an eye on, but I mean, overall, this is about getting stabs at a title. The Suns obviously won the trade. I mean, they won the trade deadline. A few things about this, and I and I and I I remember I, last night I saw the trade, and I'm I'm literally about to go to sleep. Like I, I'm literally there, and you know when you're when you're in bed and you're just on the phone, just scrolling and stuff, and then it's like, oh shit, an alert of this magnitude <laughs> comes through, and you're like, then you're immediately up for the rest of the night, just trying to figure out scenarios. But I have a few thoughts about this trade. Um, I think the most important thing about this trade for the Phoenix Suns perspective is that they didn't uh, give up DeAndre Aiden. I, I think that was really, that. I, I could not believe that that happened. And that is such, such a luxury for the Suns, right? Because if you just, I mean, it would have been plausible for Brooklyn to ask, no, nah, we want DeAndre Aiden for Kevin Durant because they're well within their right to ask that based on how great of a, of a player that Kevin is. And, Somehow that it, I, immediately when I saw the trade, I'm like, oh, they got rid of Aiden. It was that makes sense to the cost of doing business. And Kevin somehow was like in the similar situation than he was um, at the height of the Brooklyn Nets, right, where they yeah. don't have a front court. And it's a really at, Kevin's a big dude. But he's a lanky guy, and they overall has a small team without front court depth. So for them to have a starting five with Aiden in that mix, Aiden is now doesn't have to be your second best player at stretches of time and ha- bear that responsibility. I thought it was a really great trade from a Phoenix perspective. And to your point about um, draft picks, 
it really doesn't matter when you have a roster makeup of the Phoenix Suns at this point, right? Because even if they, they, they're an older roster, um, they are a team that is looking for titles. And if it doesn't work out, Aiden is always there for you to trade and picks will always be out there for you to get as we saw during this trade deadline. So I think overall, it's a great trade. I am concerned about their depth, right? Um, but as we've known, you know, throughout, you know, the years that, you know, top heavy teams tend to figure it out in some ways. And they, and you want the star player and the stars on your roster to be able to do that. So I think it's a really, really great trade um, for the Suns. And honestly, based on how, you know, the experience that Brooklyn had over the last few years and for them to get a, like a actual reset and an exit from this, I thought this was a pretty solid trade deadline for the Brooklyn Nets. What do you think about the Brooklyn Nets aspect of, of, of this trade? Yeah, well, when I was talking about the picks, it's mainly the perspective I'm in it from. I mean, for yeah, for Phoenix, obviously, you just kind of figure that out later because it's not, you know, whenever you trade picks, it's not like they disappear, like they go somewhere. It's like it, they just went somewhere else. So it's your your point about like, I think the liquidity and like the fluidity of picks around the league is like one of the big stories here. We were talking like over 35 second round picks got moved today. Uh, maybe that's a, a, a result of there just not being as many first round picks out there available. They just kind of were moving to the next, th the last thing that they had to move. Uh, and there's like a fuzzier future. Uh, that was like kind of the, the phrase you used, I know. But uh, know, teams are getting better and better at using second round picks, I feel like. Um, overall, man, I, I just think... You go into this season, it's a really funny reset. It's it's a good reset for Brooklyn, I agree. They've got they've got a lot of pieces that I think are valuable, that are desirable, and they're still going to be there in June. Guys that are young. Um, and I think that uh, for Phoenix, it's a funny pivot away from like the malaise that they were feeling earlier in the season because I think they were feeling like, you know, man, we built all this, all this time. We got this team together that worked, that made sense. And it was just kind of funny. I don't know if you've had this observation. You're a West Coast guy. It, it's always funny for me as not not living in an NBA market to observe like the vibe of fan bases. It was just funny <laughs> to watch them go from like happy to be here. We we're loving this. We're happy. We just are. We're happy to be. You're th you're talking about us. You're thinking about us too. You know they're good, and then you see them get a little more chesty. To I just saw them get depressed in this past year, so it's been a kind of a funny. Yeah. Last spring was sad for the Suns; like it was legitimately sad when you think about it. All the way to this week, and I was watching yeah. some of the Suns accounts that I follow, like uh, uh, my my guy Sam Cooper. He, I was just watching his. It was just a really hilarious uh, upswing of of uh, good vibes for them. It's but that's life in the NBA, man. I mean, your fortune. Your fortune doesn't usually change to this extent this quickly overnight. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're they're squarely in the hunt. Dude, if we get that Suns Mavs first round oh. matchup, I can't Oof. wait. I mean, it's gonna be you think about the you think about the Booker Luca thing, you think about and then you think yeah. about Kyrie. I was telling Seer at this. I was like, Kyrie is going to be like the divorcee that gets in incredible shape. Like, I feel like that's what's coming. We're getting ready to see. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't <laughs> even know. Well, the thing about Kyrie is, I, I get what you're saying on the on the level of like the divorcee or whatever. But like, and getting better 
But like he's been great all season on the court. Like he's, his numbers are great. He's been playing really well. I mean, it's always it was just funny how how he said at his press conference. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets are fine. We left them fourth in the East. Like we were we did a good job. But a lot of that had to do with like you know his contributions to the team. It's interesting though because when I think about it from um, your point about the Suns from last season and on to this one, you know, if this KD deal doesn't go through. This is probably a very different team next year. I think oh, that yeah. the, that you can admit that, and that that you can see because, man, it was it was, you know, they were they were so good in that fi- that finals run in the twenty one season, and then even the even last year where you know they have the finals loss and it's the reset and it's the fuck you season I like to call where you're just going oh we're gonna beat everyone you guys it's the you got us you had us messed up season where we're gonna just we're gonna try to go for sixty games when. They were really at, the mo- at their most effective. I think the Suns were probably a 51 team if they're going to be a good team to, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you have a fresh Chris Paul, but you have 50 wins and then you can make a deep playoff run. I think that they really went uh, too far with trying to win all those games and use all that energy. But anyway, I, I do think that um, this is a really great setup, you know, both for Kevin um, and the rest of the roster, because remember this. Kevin is a huge fan of Devin Booker. Oh, yeah. Has been a huge fan of Devin Booker for years. Has always talked about how much he'd want to play with, with Book. And um, and always this, you know, it's it's another thing that's that's ancillary and also interesting is um I keep thinking about last summer and the trade requests uh, from Kevin and Kyrie. It's interesting because people I think with how good the Brooklyn Nets record was and, you know, how they were able to write the ship pre um, KD uh, getting injured, you almost forgot that those trade requests still lingered. Right. And those uh, the relationships between Kevin and, and Kyrie in that front office still lingered. And because of that, you always had another team in the rest of the league looming to get one of those guys. That's why, you know, the two dominoes to fall were the first ones to fall were Kevin and Kyrie because there was so much dysfunction in that front office. There were so many things that, um, that they just didn't agree with, with that front office. So you had an opportunity to, uh, for teams, if you're a Phoenix or if you're even a Mavs to be like, Oh, let's, let's just check in on this because I feel like the rest of the league was feeling like, Oh, they didn't pat the, the Nets and Kyrie and Kevin didn't patch things up. That was just a statement at face value. And Mm -hmm. now you're seeing the other side of that of, okay, they couldn't, the Brooklyn Nets couldn't wait to get rid of Kyrie and Kevin if they had a legitimate opportunity to do so. I I really believe that because right when Kyrie does his trade request, it was like, whew, bet, let's get you up out of here. And then Kevin, you know, do you want to be here or not? No, Kevin wants to go to Phoenix. Well, within his right. All right, bet. Let's go to the next stage of where we're at. So, you know, it, it was just a very interesting trade all the way around this one. I think this is something that we're going to continue to dissect for years to come. But this is definitely you could just see these two trades were the manifestations of what happened in the summertime. Yeah, I like the point that you made, too, about like this speaking to the basketball of it that like. KD has always talked about, and you hear a lot of players. They're 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 the, like these different levels of player where I I feel like the peer to peer admiration sometimes can like not reflect the public's. This isn't a shocking statement at all, but like the public's assessment of a player can be very different than like the right. peer to peer. And I feel like Booker is in that different category of like the 
the just the respect for his craft. You'll just hear people to, and I feel like, you know, the aesthetics of his game, the this the easiness of his game. He just seems like he's really comfortable in his own skin and kind of and kind of peaking or just getting better and better. And I just think. I think the point you made about like overstressing Kevin as like a physical defender, having like an actual like solid body behind him. Also, this adds another guy for De- DeAndre Ayton to say to say yes, sir, to constantly, which I always find uh, amusing. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one. Um, but what do what do you think about the KD CP3 personality dynamic? How's that going to work? Do you think that's going to be interesting? Because I think with Kevin, and I said this in previous pods before, he's the kind of guy that. The perfect definition for Kevin Durant is he is the guy that, at least personality, is not the alpha. And it's weird because every bit of his his on-court persona would make... He's the best player on that team, bar mm-hmm. none. But he always has kind of needed that alpha in the locker room with him to be successful. And in Oklahoma City, that was Russell Westbrook. And, um, and Golden State, that was Draymond Green. But also, you know, he had the buffer with Steph and like and Clay and just the establishment of that locker room. Um, and I think he tried to have that. And I think he tried to have that with Kyrie. Kyrie is an alpha, but he just wasn't there and it didn't work out. But I think with this um, with, with the CP situation, I think it'll be good. I really do think it'll be good. I, ha- I have um, because they're both at the stage of their careers where honestly, they just want to win. CP just wants to win. Like he's at this point where I looked at his stats and it's it's just really interesting because because um, CP is one of the best point guards of all time, and then you see like no, he's just averaging like thirteen and, and something. You know, he's he's it's one of those gears for him, but he's still going to be effective in the playoffs. I think it'll help from a leadership standpoint that he is in there in that locker room, and it's an establishment locker room, and uh, Kevin can just come in and just play basketball, which is something that he always wants to do. But also having Kevin on the team um, really takes pressure off of CP. And I think yeah. one of the things that you saw last year uh, was how tired he got um, during that postseason run, right? And that goes back to the thing, what I was saying. I think this, the Suns should have been maybe striving for maybe a mid-50 win team instead of a 60 win team because that really, um, you know, that really, it really takes up a lot of energy to be a 60 win team. And I think that that was, that took a toll on CP. This year, you don't really have to worry about that. I mean, Kevin's, um, you know, he has knee, he has his knee issue th- right now, but he's by and large probably going to come fresh going yeah. into this postseason run. And I think that's going to be really good. I, I've, I've talked myself in and out of if the, the Suns are a favorite right now in the Western Conference. Um, I'm really concerned about their depth, uh, specifically still, even though they have Aiden. They don't really have anybody else in the front court, and that's historically been an issue for the Suns. So you're not a big Jock Landell guy. You're not. Uh, you're not convinced of his playoff. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> not, nope. Not betting um, on that one. But I'm just curious to see, right? Because it's one of those things that Kevin has kind of always had to deal with, right? Where the same problem he was dealing with in Brooklyn, where he doesn't necessarily have front court help, and that is really. That's I, I'm going back and forth to see, is that going to be a problem going into the postseason? I think ultimately, they can they beat Denver? I think they can beat Denver in seven games. I do think that they have the potential to be able to do that. But it would be a hard series, and they are fatally flawed in that they don't have really front court help. Um, and that'll harm them against, I think, Denver, but also I think it'll harm them in the Eastern Conference when you talk about uh, if they go up against the Celtics. And we don't know what's going on with Jalen Brown right now, but if the Celtics, I, I'm assuming Jalen Brown will be healthy enough and the Celtics will be healthy enough by that time. 
I do, I am concerned about, you know, them playing up against those types of teams, the Milwaukee's, if they're healthy and they can get their stuff together and get to that point. Concerned against those Eastern Conference teams, but I do think the Suns have a, as good a chance as anyone to win it, win the West, for sure. Yeah, I think the teams that have, like, that physical, defensive kind of continuity and, like, uh, I, meaning just, like, time and reps and familiarity with each other, but then also, like, physicality switching, like, guys that can really switch at the level of ball screens. Like, that's something that the Celtics now KD didn't seem like he was right and totally right the playoffs last year but that was something they just blitzed him all the time and it was one of the few times physically and that's something to watch too you know if, if he comes back and maybe he's 85 90 percent you know and they get up against that's something about Denver that's different from years past is that they've shored up some of that stuff you know like Bruce Brown KCP Aaron Gordon I mean they have some like guys that can switch guys that are quick um I don't know. I, I think this is uh, this is a segue, I guess, to some of the things the other teams in the West did. But uh, Phoenix obviously is the big, the big boulder that fell in the lake. I mean, it made it the biggest splash. But uh, it's uh, I'm excited as hell to watch it. I know that. Yeah, let's we'll get back to the, we'll get back to the Nets at, at some point. We'll get to them in the, in the rapid fire. But there was a lot more that happened in the trade world in the in the NBA. But one of the biggest things is another big storyline is just the the makeover that the Lakers had. I think they got a lot of addition by subtraction. They got rid of Russell Westbrook, who they really wanted to get. Also, quick side note: this is the first time I'm doing I'm potting since I saw the LeBron uh, game, and I'm sure me and Raja will get that get into that a lot on Monday. But one of the biggest things it was one of the oddest games that I've seen in a while because obviously you had the celebration of LeBron but because there were so many so many eyes on the Lakers you saw all their flaws and every and how just how disappointing of a team they are and mm. just how much dysfunction that they have in their locker room um you know Russell Westbrook he goes for 27 but it's like an angry 27 where he's like very isolated from the group he's not wanting to come out of games which is off brand for him man yeah it's off brand for him <laughs> to get you know a 27 that's uh, uh, compartmentalized from the team it's really weird I just thought that was right. really inconsistent <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> but but it was just bad juju all around sure. and while I don't know if I don't D'Angelo Russell um will like solve all their problems. I think this was just like a white flag overall for the Lakers in terms for this season, but it was a, it was a chance for them to get better long-term, which is probably, I think the best course of action considering how their year has gone and how we probably thought that the year was going to go. Let's get LeBron to the record. Let's try to just keep him and AD as healthy as possible going into the summer. And th when we have all this cap space and then we can go figure out, what do you think about the Lakers uh, trade deadline? Yeah, the long-term thing is the question here because if you look at the distance between the teams in the West, let's see, the Lakers are sitting at 25 and 30, uh, and they're behind. Even to get to the to the eighth spot, they, they'd they have to move ahead. Yeah, Oklahoma, Utah, Portland, and Golden State. The Lakers are just playing poppies ever since they fucking, they went to the, to the, to the finals, right? Like, just, <laughs> they're just doing just to get enough to get to, to the play-in. That's just been their goal. <laughs> playing poppies. Wow, what a label that uh, Logan slapped on them there. Yeah, like, that's, they did make some good moves, and and I saw something fun. I was joking with uh, with somebody about like I saw on Rachel Nichols on her social media. She said the the tag for their segment was like you know was this the moment talking about the ceremony like was this the moment that like uh, that ruined the Russell Westbrook era? I would in in L A. I would argue that the moment they traded for him, it was like they ruined everything. <laughs> like you you just don't he he had reached for me a point where you just don't trade for him at all. And I think that like you have to kind of just accept, you know, take 
your medicine, you screwed that up. It was not going to work. Sometimes the public, you know, we're not as dumb as we, as we seem. Like I, I think on paper that, that reek, like it wasn't going to work. And you know, Pat Bev and Russell, Russell Westbrook on the same team together is just, uh, that's so dissonant. It gives me a headache. Uh, like I got off the uh, Gravitron just now, but I think the moves that they made, if you go and look, I mean, I think that from just from a starting point, I'm on record as being like a huge Jared Vanderbilt fan. I always have been. He's going to give them crazy switchability. Uh, not like off the charts, but he can at least like stunt onto all five positions. He's heavy on four and five. He's strong. He doesn't need the ball. He's a decent passer. Um, and then you get Malik Beasley, who is going to be able to just hang back and be himself. He's going to be able to just score and shoot the ball, which is what he does. And you you imagine him spacing. And I think if AD can get back and get right, which is something that I've said, I don't even know how many billions of times at this point, but uh, you you have, it's a good construct for Beasley. You know, he's always kind of been below, his head's been below water defensively throughout his career. And then they added Bamba, man. Bamba is kind of one of the wild card young players in the league. Um, I don't know. What what do you think about the moves? I think once they made the Rui deal, and which was honestly just fell on their laps, right? Like it's just something that he they're like, oh, he doesn't he wants to get traded. Okay, bet we need to go get him really quickly because he fits within our roster. Yeah. And you kind of saw this the changes. Like they're not, I think uh the contrast between what the Lakers did and what the Suns did is that the Lakers are getting ancillary pieces right now, which is what you kind of need to be a fully capable championship team. What I saw from those roster from those roster moves is, okay, we have LeBron and AD. We still believe in that tandem as a duo. So what we're going to do is we're just going to get the supplemental pieces around them because that's what they were missing over these last few years. Let's just be honest, man. And if there's anything that we've known from this this super big three era is that you, the thing that you need to supplement stars is what you've always need, which is supplementary pieces. And the Lakers just have not had that. A lot of that has to do with the Russell Westbrook trade, which was just, just, just insane. In hindsight, it's just going to, it's, I can't wait for 10 years from now to where we dissect it fully. And we really get a full bit of grasp of how bad of a deal that was for so many different types of legacies. Right. Um, but Man, Russell Westbrook was bad. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a quick tangent on how bad Russell Westbrook was this season, dog. I saw him in Boston, <laughs> that Boston game, um, a couple of weeks back. I was in a building for that. And just the sheer fact that he's going to be off the team is going to be a net positive for this roster because yeah. they're not going to have, it's not going to be the everyday Russ beat of how, how is Russ feeling? How do we get Russ on the same page with us? And that's, we're not even talking about the basketball side of this, right? But we're talking about just the general maintenance of what Russell Westbrook needed to have on that roster. They don't have to deal with that anymore. And I think it was interesting. I think House of Highlights posted up a, a video. Um, I forgot. I don't know where this, this game was, but it was after a game where LeBron is in the locker room and he says, yo, we got to go get one. We got to go get a go get let's go let's get greedy. We just got to win, let's go get greedy. I believe if I remember it looked like Sacramento if I remember the locker room correctly, but it was like let's get greedy. And then and then Russ goes, who's also a very strong alpha personality. No, sure. let's just have fun. Let's just have fun. No. And so that just kind of shows you the disconnect in that roster of just like just the maintenance of dealing with a Russell Westbrook. I remember like after that uh, it was just weird vibes at the end of that tenure with with the Lakers, it was just I remember, um, and I'm not and I'm not sure I'm sure this is out, um, but 
I remember when I was at that Celtics game, um, I'm in the, you know, Celtics locker room, just, you know, seeing what's up. I don't go in there often. And um, I walked out. Russell Westbrook is fully clothed, fully showered outside of the Celtics locker room, just sitting down on a FaceTime, right? Mind you, in the other room, LeBron and AD are pissed because of what, how that game ended, and rightfully so, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, it, it's just a juxtaposition of a guy like Westbrook who was smiling and happy and in a great mood after one of the worst losses of LeBron James's career. Because those, those aren't my words. Those are LeBron's words of what he said. Um, and that just showed the disconnect between Russell and, um, and the rest of the Lakers. And the fact that that is out of there will be a net positive. Like, I don't know what the Lakers are going to be. I don't know what they're, how they're going to be going forward, but at least I think that they're going to be better off because they don't have to deal with the everyday maintenance and storyline that was Russell Westbrook over these last few years. Yeah, you can't underestimate how much, like, it's it's hard enough to be a good team in the NBA, like, and and then you can't, you just can't underestimate how much of a mental toll that takes, like, to... Like you said, you can't even get to the table to think about yourself as like a bat, like a functioning basketball team. If like it just eats up so much, it eats up so much of your like, uh, like I always use the comparison bandwidth. Like, yeah, your bandwidth, your your CPU usage. You're just like, damn, why can't my computer run? It's because oh, I have eighty thousand Google Chrome th- tabs open. That's are like you what a, the are lake- you an eighty seven tabs guy? Because I could be an eighty seven tabs guy if I really if I, if it just if I'm just left to my own devices. Yeah, my my wife was teasing me about how many tabs I had open. And I was just like, I was like, well, I got to have this tab. I got to have this tab. I gotta have, I'm kind of like a hoarder. I'm like, I can't part with this. You know, I, it was like we moved my grandma one time and then we were like, hey, grandma, I don't think you need this wooden sign that, with a bunny rabbit on it for Easter where the ears had fallen off. She's like, no, I need that. <laughs> no, that's kind of how I am with tabs. So um, the Lakers had hella tabs is what you're saying. Basically, I think they had way too many tabs open trying to figure out how to keep their thing together. And I was just thinking about, again, it reminds me of, uh, you, do you get on Reddit very much? You ever get on Reddit? Reddit guy? Absolutely not. Okay. I like Reddit. Uh, the, I'd the, get streets, on there. the streets are not, are the, the the Reddit streets are not fans of Logan Murdoch. So I'm just chill. <laughs> I just kick out. I just, I just dip from that, that world. Uh, I, they're hard on everybody, man. I mean, I, I get shit on there. Everybody gets shit on there. That's just kind of the, the way it goes. But if you go, it, it, I was on the main feed one day and I remember this, this is the most random comparison I'm about to make. They recommend things to you that maybe you necess- wouldn't necessarily click on. And I got clicked. So one of them on there was like a wine. It was like a wine subreddit. And I clicked on it and it was like somebody was asking, when does pink Zinfandel go bad? <laughs> And I just was like, I don't, this is hilarious. I mean, I've had pink Zinfandel here and there, you know, at a, at a wedding or something. And one of the first comments on there was when it goes into the bottle. And I laughed really hard about that because, that you know, wine people were kind of judging that. But it made me, I just now thought, I was like, this was bad when it went into the bottle. It wasn't going to work. This was like a, it, it was a non-starter. They tried, they took a risk, but this is kind of the, these are the margins that you play in with superstars sometimes, especially floor raising superstars. I've talked a lot about this. Like Luca is always, and LeBron has too. When you're so good as a player that you can't fully be bad, like everywhere you go, you make the team this level of good. You're never, you're not, you're not going to have as many opportunities to add like super young talent. And 
this was a risk they took and it, and it just didn't work. I do think the Bomba thing is interesting though, it's, especially even if just for long term. Talk you know? me into the Bomba. Talk, talk me into the Bomba thing because I really, really, really hate just like potential guys. I don't like it. I don't like seeing it. Like I, I the wild cards just drive me crazy. Even though like I have a certain affinity for for most of them, but like talk me into talk me into the Mo Bamba. Can you just you like you can't stand the? Do you need certainty? Like you need some more? Like you're annoyed by the flakiness of it? Is that what you mean? Like is, does it cause you stress? After a few years, I do get annoyed by the like. Okay, so on one hand with, with Mo Bamba, after this many years, and you don't like just become that guy, you wind up just being who you are in that instance. Now, like on the other side of that. I do love I do love early flightiness, right? Like when you're 19. Um and like Jordan Poole is a really great example of that, right? Like just a guy that just figured it out. I like the overall just figuring it out and I just don't I think Mo Bamba is who he is at this point, right? That's what that's my fear. So that's why I'm asking talk me into to to Mo Bamba. All I can talk you into is thinking that it's interesting because I can't talk you into being certain. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I can't do it. It's like, I can talk you into it being interesting. That's all. Okay. He's been, the one thing to consider, he's been with them since 2019. The Orlando has been in an ass. I'm doing a video about this right now and I can, luckily I can edit Mo Bamba out of it. I don't feel like doing that part of it. It'll save me a little work, but. For the last five years, they've been in an asset acquisition phase that has really not made much fucking sense at all. Like, like in terms of like building a basketball team, because they're just like, we're gonna throw a big old dart trying to find a big old dude. It's who the is process weird. if they don't get Embiid or, or Ben Simmons. It's essentially what's going on in Orlando. Basically, well, it's exactly what they did in Milwaukee. They just kept picking these dudes that really didn't totally fit together until they found one. Then they're like. All right, now we're going to build a basketball team, which I think makes sense in the aggregate. Though I do make think think that makes sense if you don't have a bona fide star and you just haven't picked a bona fide star in that instance. Like I'm not I, I'm not opposed to that. I just want to put that out there. Like I, I think that that can be an effective strategy, and it has been for some teams. Yeah, it has. I mean, it worked for the Bucks. Look at them now. They, I mean, they hit on it. I mean, it's one way to do it. It's just that I've called them the crowded elevator for the past few years. It's like Aaron Gordon was out there running a bunch of pick and rolls and stuff. And it's like, they had no spacing. They had no smaller ball handler. They had no movement in their offense. And they said a bunch of big dudes. If you, When they brought in Wendell Carter Jr., it was just like, all right, here's another guy for Bama to compete with. Bull Bull has a big resurgence. Okay, that's at Mo Bamba's expense. His efficiencies, if you just want to go by, like, I still think that he could be a decent, you know, rim protector. I still think that he has potential to be like a spacer. Um, and he's still, I mean, he's 24 years old which, uh, you know, I thought he was like maybe a year younger than that. But at the very least, I think it's a good it's a good uh, thing to kick the tires on and take a flyer on. I, I don't think it's a wild flyer by any chance, uh, by any stretch. I mean, he could be a backup big at the very least for them. So I, I think it's a it's a good it's a good move for them. Speaking of taking flyers, the Detroit Pistons traded for James Wiseman, which is probably the ultimate flyer at this point. Um, we can just say it right now. Um, Probably a probably a bust. He is a bust at this point. I mean, he's twenty one. Are you ready to you ready to throw it? Yeah, I'm gonna let you cook on this because you you've seen more of this up close than I have. But well, I mean, uh, yeah, the bust he's, at this point, at this very point, and I'm not saying that I'm not. This is not going to be on him forever. I, at least for his sake, I hope not. Uh, at this very point, I think people are considering him a bust for sure. Now, I don't believe with the 
and this is just my my stream of consciousness as I'm thinking through this deal, um, and I'm sure I have more succinct um, thought process on this, you know, as the days go by and more more stuff comes out, and we we learn more about what the Warriors' uh, decision making is. But with Wiseman, I don't think that Wiseman necessarily got a fair shake in a lot of ways because. If you think about it, if you were put a James Wiseman on any other team or in any other situation or what a normal top five pick has to go through, mm-hmm. I think he would have been more successful. I do think that. I really do. And I think part of me is the reason why, like, I won't say long term. He he has a potential not long term to be a, a, a bust and could be a really good basketball player um, at, at one point. And, you know, he, he could he still has time in his career to reach all the goals that he wanted to reach. Um, and that's why I think it's I'm happy that he is in, in Detroit because Detroit allows for him to have the infrastructure that he that more that you would want for a younger guy. I think the Warriors did right by him sending to, to, to Detroit and a place that I really like um, with a lot of guys that are, you know, similar to Orlando, just a lot of guys that they drafted. They do have, you know, Cade, they do have these guys, but they're trying to build something at this point and they don't necessarily have their identity net. So for a young guy like James Wiseman, he can kind of carve out his own lane and, and get that infrastructure and play without pressure, man. Because to be honest, like the Warriors aren't a normal situation for any young guy. If 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 uh, Wiseman were with the Houston Rockets, no one would give a damn about you know if he is um, has to be the next franchise guy. Uh, but I do think from the Warriors side, I mean, I mean they were pretty much out on Wiseman, you know. After I think after after about last season when it didn't work out. They were, they were, you could think they were, they were out on him at that point. And when he didn't, I think the only way that Wiseman would have figured it out and would have been a Golden State Warrior beyond this trade deadline is if he would have took Kevon Looney's spot to start this season and was averaging a good 10 and 10. That was the best case scenario where he's actually a factor, but he wasn't even close to, because he wasn't even close to taking Kavon Looney's spot. Kavon right. is, is is entrenched in that role and whatever he is. But good. when you you want a, you want a young guy to be able to take that baton from a Kavon Looney, who is a Warriors legend, but is let's be real, is not what you think of a starting center in this league. As great as Kavon Looney is, and you want that young guy to be able to to take the baton from that. And when he didn't do that. There was no way that the Warriors were going to bring him back. He was too expensive um, in the next couple of years, and they just didn't have time to waste. They didn't have any more time to waste. They got they banged on their draft pick for that time, and that was Jordan Poole. That's somebody they, they can build around, and that goes to the argument to the two-tier system. They still have Moody on the roster. They still have Kaminga on the roster, both players that they really, really love and can really do some things. And then, you know, they got... Uh, they got Gary Payton the second, who was honestly, I mean, I know in the in the in the aggregate, it doesn't look like the the best, like most sexy deal or whatever. But it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of um, it's like one of those deals where remember when um, when Derek Fisher went back to the Lakers, and I'm not I'm not comparing them like as as players per se, but I'm talking about in the locker rooms yeah. where they really miss Gary Payton in that locker room. They really yeah. really missed him. And they missed his defense. They the Warriors this season. They had old guys and they had young guys. They didn't have mid or middle guys who can ha, who have relationship with the old heads and the youngins like Juan Toscano Anderson did 
last year and like Gary Payton the second did last year to where they can help bridge that gap and you know the Warriors were the Warriors were in need to have some harmony I think uh Gary Payton really provides that now I'm really just hesitant I think that with the moves that the Suns made um way Denver is going and Steph's latest injury I think you can kiss those 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 title um, wishes those back-to-back title wishes goodbye at this point. I think you can. Like, I just think that the, I don't know if the Warriors are at this point and it's early, but I just don't see it basically on the way that they've been playing and how inconsistent they've been. Sorry, Ben Cruz. I know that Ben Cruz is on the call at this point and he's, he's pretty much crying at this point um, about what's going on with the Warriors and how, how much they fall in grace. But like, I think that this is just one of those years um, similar to the Lakers where they're building for, okay, this just wasn't our year. Next summer, we go kick, we go kill it. And I know that the the Warriors are not going to necessarily admit this at all, but this is probably the best case scenario for them in this end. Okay, hopefully we have a good playoff showing. We got our guys. Let's see what the summer holds. See what we can do, um, and then get back for next season because this is a this is a championship thinking roster. This is what they do, and they're going to look a lot different next year than they did this year. And so I think they're just trying to. We'll see. And we'll see where they go. And I'm sure I'll be getting some calls in Texas and some look at when I get to the arena next time I go. But I do think that this is a they are building something for the future. And I think that they're they're trying to sustain it. And and one of the most uncertain times in, in Warriors recent history. Yeah, the the Gary Payton edition, I think, was important. You know, if they were going to recover any of that momentum, which you seem to be extremely skeptical about, uh, I mean, it, it seemed like one of those things where when somebody leaves a company and then you go to pick something up and you're like, oh, who normally does this? And they're like, oh, Gary did that. It was just like, yeah, I mean, he he was like, he was a guy who fit, he fits their system because because he's a great cutter, as we know. He's one of those guys that can be like an inverted screener. Like he can... Super athletic, obviously, really helpful defensive player. Maybe take some pressure off of Steph in that way. I mean, I, I just think that it makes it makes a lot of sense. And I, I liked what uh, RJ was saying about uh, RJ uh, Richard Jefferson on TV about saying like, "Don't settle. If you know what you do well, like take take the money." Because the Warriors were like, you know, they end up crawling back to him. Basically, like he he went and got his money, and he knew he, he bet on himself, and it made sense. Um, yeah, I like that move. What did you think about the rumors that they were kind of really, really going after OG Ananobi? Did, did you get any kind of, were you hip to how like real or unreal that that chatter was? I think it was real. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go against Shams. I, I mean, he he's locked in. He knows what's up. I, I think it was real. And the reason why I think it was real, one, because Shams put it out there. And two, because OG Ananobi is a perfect wing for the Warriors' current situation. He can hit threes, can play really good defense, and he just fits. He's a good dude. He's one of those types of players. Mm-hmm. And um, he would fit perfectly within that that uh, that roster. And honestly, ever since, you know, uh, Andre Iguodala left, uh, or Andre Iguodala not left, but when he left the first time, they were missing that wing, that extra wing that, that can do a little bit of everything. Now, he's not Andre Iguodala skill-wise. I don't think he can run the offense necessarily in the way no. that, in the in the Scotty Pippen-like way that Andre Iguodala could. But I the, mean the like point a point guard inclination, right? Like the, exactly. Iggy, Iggy, Iguodala, and Pippen both have that. Not, I, OG is like not quite, I don't know if he's ever going to OG's there not there. Wise. I don't think he's there, but he can hit threes and he can play, play defense and that's the yeah. type of things that you need. You need, the Warriors love 
love those six eight guys that are long and athletic. That's they just love that. They can switch on everything. Just the old school way that they that they usually do it. Even last season, right? Where where they went they at times went extremely small in the postseason and won because of it. And you know, with the three point shooting, they had the defenders. I think that's the roster that they kind of want to build up on. And if they can, I mean I know that they would really want an OG Ananobi on the on their team because that's what he provides for them—a guy that can hit threes, that is honestly seen a lot. You know, he's, a, he's still a young guy, but has seen a lot. Has been in this league for a bit, um, hit big shots in the playoffs. That would have been a perfect addition to this Warriors team. But um, I think they're slow and steady. I think if they would have got an OG Ananobi, I think that that would have. We, I think we'd be having a different conversation in terms of where they're going. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think that I think that you know that's going to be something like ah we could have got him at the deadline we should have made time to go get him and 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 we'll see how that what what comes of that yeah I wonder how that would have affected their two timeline sort of plight I mean the salaries obviously don't match because you know OG's making you know seventeen point three uh, I wonder if you would have had to have, I mean I'm sure they would have asked for Kaminga that's probably be the person that they would have that the the Raptors would have come after if if that deal was going to go down I would assume right when you think but here's the thing if you're the Warriors you don't necessarily like one more year Kaminga like Kaminga is is doing is playing really well at a rapid pace and getting a lot better he's growing really really fast um is it as fast as the Warriors need him to uh, ultimately get to a title we'll see but he's been doing well you know I think CJ uh put out that he, he wanted to go with a Masai Uzeri did want uh Kaminga you don't do you don't have to do if you love Kaminga the way the Warriors do that makes total sense why they wouldn't have an asking price and wouldn't t- wouldn't take Kaminga in the deal they just they just think the world of him and also one of the other things Bob Myers doesn't like to make drastic trades at the deadline he doesn't which would explain why you know he traded um Wiseman in service or of another deal right like yeah. he didn't he didn't take anything back he doesn't like to Bob Myers doesn't like to trade guys in season and mess up roster construction in season. I think the last time he that was a real big roster move in that way. I mean, you could make the, the it was Andrew Wiggins, but before that it was like Steve Blake, right? Where you do it in season. Yeah. And the Steve Blake one was in 2014 when they were trying to make a playoff push. And then um to get Andrew Wiggins, that was in a season where they they just needed to get Andrew Wiggins. They weren't trying to win a title necessarily. Um, but overall Bob Myers doesn't like to to trade in season, so I wasn't really surprised by that, um, by him not trying to get OG at the end of the deal. But he, OG would have been great for this roster. The Warriors are in a, in a weird place, man. Overall, they're just in a weird place where you know they thank goodness for their sake that they got the title last year because they they I think the writing is on the wall right now. Um, there's going to be some changes in this offseason. There just has to be to to kind of make sure that this this you can't go continue to go with this type of group. We'll see, man. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him die on the battlefield, not literally, but I'd like to see him get a chance to to, to put up a fight like they did, kind of in nineteen. Uh, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be a brutal playoff. So what the West got wild. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm, and now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tune in every Thursday into a payday with TNT Thursdays on FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. FanDuel is giving all customers $10 in bonus bets every Thursday. Just bet $10 or more on same-game parlay at any NBA on TNT game. Same-game parlays let you combine the money line, point spread, player props, and more all into one wager. All right, y'all know how we do. Let's look at the Thursday slate post-tread deadline. Let's take a look at the Turner games tonight. Bulls Nets. I mean, on the surface, it looks like, you know, maybe a mundane game. But guess what? I'm taking Cam Thomas over 50 points tonight over the Bulls. And on a nightcap, Bucks lakers I think I'm going to take the over for Adenokounmpo points. I'm going to do that. He's averaging 32. I say he gets 50 tonight. Why not? So start building your own same-game parlay and bet a popular same-game parlay already made for you in America's number one sports book. And win or lose, you're guaranteed to get $10 added to your account. If you're new to FanDuel, just sign up with promo code RINGERNBA. Get $10 back every Thursday, win or lose, with TNT Thursdays. Exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable free bet that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-0-STOP Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 New York 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia I want to go rapid fire with you really quickly what is the sneaky trade that you think uh, will actually pay dividends in years and years and years from now that you saw here that we're not really looking at right now what what, what, what is your what is your spidey sense telling you uh years and years and years is is interesting i mean well i think the the obvious one is you could say there's probably one of these in here where there's a, a pick is a pick went somewhere that is going to end up being a good player i mean we we always tend to underestimate that um i mean i don't, I don't know that there's one that is like a player with significant like upside got moved that like that's younger that that makes me that moves the needle for me. There's some like un- off the radar trades that I think could help the teams in subtle ways. Uh, like I actually really like Josh Hart to the New York Knicks. Um, I he's a player that if you looked across the landscape of of the league, like a a guy that fit the bill of like can shoot it a little bit can play off the ball is stout can can play some defense could could shore up a rotation 
uh, he was one of the few guys that was like available, you know, that, that could be had. And it's something that the Knicks really need. They need, you know, you get another, uh, the, the cliche thing will be to be like, okay, well, here's another Villanova guy coming in here. Uh, them, them, they tend, they had a run where they were just producing those types of players that could like fit into those movement systems. They could also defend switch and things like that. I like that move. And I also think Mike Muscala to, to Boston is something that we shouldn't totally overlook. I think he's a guy who can space, um, that team like can protect him defensively. Like he's he's good enough defensively. Like he'll probably he'll probably get attacked in the playoffs. But they they are good enough. You know their coherence is good enough defensively to probably protect them a little bit. But I, I like that move too for him. Just to add them another wrinkle that I, I assume they thought they were going to get from Gallinari because I know there were reports that uh, they were thinking about moving Gallinari. What about you? Did you see one that you thought was kind of sneaky good? Oh, well, I, I did like the um, I did like the pick uh, the pickup of uh, Bang Muscala in Boston, just for the simple fact that that's 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 a deal that you you do when you're a great team. You know, you you have finals aspirations. You just get an extra little thing and an extra little uh, uh, pick. I think the biggest thing, the sneaky good thing that you know that I like is uh, maybe I'm maybe not the sneaky thing that I like, but I'm just really intrigued by Brooklyn's. A hall of picks, right? Like I'm just really intrigued about what they do with that because I remember the last time they were in this situation and they turned out pretty well, right? Where they have all these picks, they find these type, these just guys. Last time it was De- remember it was D'Angelo Russell. Those that Brooklyn Nets team is just I think in a few years and like down the line we're just gonna look back as like oh we just love that team. I don't know why we love that team so much, but we loved them. They were great. We love ragtag. We love ragtag that we know isn't going to win big, but they get like a first round playoff. They, they were the fun team and I'm curious to see what Brooklyn does with this set of picks because they have they've shown while that they can't manage superstars very well um, they've shown that they can build a team suitable enough to attract people and also be good at just be good just continue to be good teams in a solid group Um, I'm curious to see what Brooklyn does in the aftermath of all of this and also if they get another shot at you know, getting another top tier guy like down the line, like how, you know, of the caliber of Kevin and Kyrie, this is probably just something that I see that maybe a lot of other people don't see, but like stars see how franchises treat other oh, stars. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And I don't, we also, it's a very nuanced and convoluted thing that happened in Brooklyn, but by and large, they're going to listen to what Kyrie stars are going to listen to what Kyrie and Kevin said about that organization more than how they feel in terms of what the, what they see with their eyes with the organization. And right now, I mean, other stars, and I'm not saying the league and everything, what they see is, oh, it didn't work out because these people talk. You know, they they talk. They say, oh, man, it didn't work out. They're going to hear Kevin be like, oh, that was a, that, I did, that was a shit show. Um, and Kyrie saying they disrespected me. Yeah. Um, they're going to see that. And I'm curious to see, I think Brooklyn can get to a place where they have a solid team, but I'm going to be curious the next time, or if there's going to be a next time for them to get, you know, go and get those big stars of the caliber of a Kyrie or a Kevin Durant. Um, I'm sure they'll always attract things because they're a New York based team. I think they'll always be able to attract talent, but of the hall of fame level talent, I'm going to be curious where they are in the meetings in the next few years to come. Do you think that Ke- Kevin and Kyrie, though, I mean, I think I think I could say this even, you know, conservatively and, and, and mildly, put, put it mildly, those are different dudes. We all know that. Kevin Kevin has, has had his things everywhere he's gone. Kyrie has, too. Do you think that affects, do you think among their peers, 
Are they seen the same way? We talked about like the peer-to-peer thing being different from on the outside. Well, I will say this. I think that um, both of those guys, like while they have been put over the coals, if you, if you, <laughs> for lack of a better term, over these last few years, I think that's more of a a, a media a media thing and a media a, a, a narrative thing because I do know this. Kyrie and Kevin are probably like among basketball players in the league are probably have res- more respected voice than you might think. Yeah. Because every NBA player that I talk to about Kyrie or any person that is ancillary or, or, or near an NBA player all love him by and large. That's interesting. Right? Now, if now they might say like, oh, that was a shit show and what the fuck. But they tend to like, you know, if, Look at any, um, for the most part, like, you know, I always see the best indicator of how, how players respected in the league is like in the immediate aftermath of after games, right? Where you're doing the handshakes and you're, and you're, and you're kicking it with, and you're just, you know, you're doing the good game. I'll see you next time. Oh, I'm in town here. Let's get up right here. You always see that in the, after the games. And you always see that with Kyrie, like especially with stars, right? They always go and say what's up to him, no matter what his standing is, you know, universally. Players usually respect his opinion. And the same with Kevin, honestly. Like a lot of these, you know, behind the scenes, like I think Kevin is known as just like the cool big homie to a lot of these guys, right? Like when you go to Team USA, he's a laid back dude. Um, he's the guy that you go and you talk to. He's in on all the same music and joints that you like. You know, he's in into all of that type of stuff, right? Like he's um, he's into all the stuff, and he's also in in the culture in a way that like a lot of these young dudes respect and like because he's one of the of the superstars. He is one of the ones that sees a lot of guys early and really respects them. Yeah, and, and so I think that that goes a long way. I think that he's going to be welcomed in that Phoenix locker room. And I think that his word is going to hold true when when you talk about it, fair or not, by the way, right? Because I'm not saying that, Ky- I'm not absolving them of anything that they did or didn't do in Brooklyn, because they did that. They, they did run amok. It was a shit show. But when you talk about the NBA players and the people that will hold their word or, or will hold Kevin and Kyrie's uh, word in high regard, I think they will listen when you think about... Um, what they have to say about Brooklyn and going forward. That's why I'm concerned. Like, I hope that, um, you know, Brooklyn, you know, for their sake, finds a star and they do have a good shot at this just for the sake of basketball sense, right? But they, what, however you want to slice it, you know, it didn't work out and there can be a picture painted from the player's perspective that, yo, this wasn't, this wasn't a good look. I didn't have a good time here. Yeah. Yeah, that's that always fascinates me. Like, and I know those guys are just like they're respected in terms of dudes. Dudes also just want to be them. Like, I you know, so so many dudes they just want to be Kyrie. I mean, a lot, a lot of the a lot of the individual skill level stuff is just so like that's the stuff that is like the, that resonates the most. I feel like with like younger players and things like that. And that's a, that's a huge just sort of. I mean, like up until this year, John Morant wore Kyrie Irving's shoes. I know, you know? And John Morant's one of the most people that younger dudes want to be. You know, I just feel like he's and also in that older kind. dudes love John Morant too. <laughs> like it's, he has, yeah. he's in that place. But like in terms of respect, you could see like how much respect Kyrie gets in this league from players. And that's something that if you're on the outside, it's like you, you know, most 
Most people, yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, I, I've never talked to Kyrie a day in my life. I don't, everything that I consume is second, third hand, you know? So it's like, I, and I just see stories and things, but, uh, you know, that's, that stuff always fascinates me. What, what garners respect and yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see that they left them at the fourth seed. I know that's kind of a joke at this point because they're not going to be the same team going forward. I don't know. Do you think Brooklyn's going to like pre- precipitous fall or what do you think their record's going to do from here to the end of the season? Hey, man, as Cam much Tom- as it can, Cam Thomas going to be getting these motherfucking shots up. All right, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna get some. We're gonna get some. My favorite time of the league. That's is, always true, is, by the way, and it's always been true. What you just said about Cam Thomas, he's gonna get some motherfucking yeah. shots up. <laughs> that's Cam. That's Cam Thomas. What, that is yes. That is a direct quote from my 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 homie Nick Ferdale. Shout out to Nick Ferdale. <laughs> uh, but he's well, gonna Nick. get some motherfucking shots up, and that's probably <laughs> my favorite point. I love. This is my favorite thing in the league. Uh, like one of the things that we don't normally talk about more, the gunner who was playing on a bad team, trying to get a deal and trying to keep his, his just, just trying to stay in the league. And Cam Thomas is about to be getting shots up. You're going to be seeing these wild stat lines. You've already seen them, but I just think there's going to be more Cam Thomas stat lines going into um, the backstretch of the season. But honestly, like the Nets, they, they don't want to win anymore. Not not this season. They're done. They kind of bring the white flag. They're trying to start from zero. They're trying to rebuild. It, this The record right now, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they might get a playoff seed, but I don't think that they're really wanting or counting on it. Did I disrupt your your rapid fire thing? I know we we went on some no, side no, rows no. there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. What? I was making it very rapid. It was sort of where do the <laughs> where do the Timberwolves go from here? Is a question that I really do have. Like it's 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 fascinating what's going on. Ever since the, um, I feel like they're just they're admitting that you know the. I think that they're admitting that they, they've probably long admitted the good bear trade was just what it was. It was. We talked about the Westbrook trade earlier and just the ramifications of that, but just how bad a trade was in the moment and just how progressively worse it got as the season went on. The Gobert trade to Utah, I mean, to to Minnesota, because it was just completely unnecessary. You know, it was just completely unnecessary. Anything, every time I see the Minnesota Timberwolves, I just think, yo, just just tear it all down and build around Ant. it's very obvious here. Why aren't we doing this? Like, what do you, where, where are the Timberwolves in your eyes? Where do you think you want them to go? Where should they be going? What should they be doing right now? Ugh. What the hell are they doing right now? <laughs> I mean, I like the point that I think Barrier made in our in our Slack, just that this was probably, I mean, the, the Conley move was probably closer to what they should have done to begin with. I like mm-hmm. Conley's presence in Minnesota. If it's, only, if, if it's only for his presence, I think that's a good thing for them. Um, no, I mean, I don't know, like starting over wise, I guess that, you know, D'Lo's out of there. D'Lo at times, he got a little bit better. I, at times, I think he was in the way of Ant's development. Like, I think I think that he was not the ideal player to play next to Ant. If you think about uh, somebody who has the inclination to be on ball. And I, I feel like his sense of himself has kind of shifted probably in a positive way. We'll see how that works. Playing with LeBron is going to be the ultimate test for that. Um yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt was a guy that they probably should have hung on to. I understand why they didn't. I don't know that they're going to like totally, totally start over, but they have some time. And it's still young. I think that his upside as a playmaker is pretty strong. You know, we, we've we seen his sh- shooting off the balance has been inefficient. I think that'll probably come around um, as he learns to pick the shots better. Tearing it down, though, would mean, I mean, do you think Carl Anthony Towns? That's the big question. Are they Are they a duo for the future? I don't, I don't know, believe man. so. I, I don't, don't believe know. it. I think that the height of what 
you could see from, I think that their peak, honestly, and honestly, I reserve the right to be wrong. I'm just, but I think that their peak was that, was that play in last year. I, I just didn't like, and even when watching them in the, in the, um, in the postseason last year, and they had a good showing, um, but they completely undid as an organization, all the momentum that yeah. they had from that postseason run when they made that trade. And I think that whenever I watch the Timberwolves now, I'm just like, yo, man, just give Ant the ball. Let him figure it out. He's really good. Uh, I think he's going to be a really great player. Figure out how to get that dude the best. Because I hate seeing Ant play second fiddle to Carl Towns. I just don't like it. It's not fun. Carl Carl is weird to play with, period, I think, just because he's in his personality, I think. You were talking about like guys that have like alpha personalities that you have to like balance in a weird way. I just feel like Carl is like he's he's always had this odd thing to balance. I don't even know what the type of personality would be right to put with him. Like as uh I'd heard that he was an interesting character when he was here, when he was at Kentucky. And like I I've always long said that like when they traded for Jimmy Butler way back, I was like they don't know who Carl is. I was like, because that was a terrible move. I was like, if you know who he is as a person, I'll just be yeah. interested to see where he goes from here. And, you know, the thing about the trade that you were saying, Sierra and I were talking about on our show on Tuesday. Um, the I, answer. I, yeah. We were talking about um, things that motivate teams to make midseason moves. And we were like, I I just, in the flow of thinking about this, I, may, I thought of something uh, that I was calling hump proximity, which is like, Teams like what they the decisions they make give you an idea of like how close they think they are to getting over the hump. And like Minnesota, I think was right there where they needed to make some kind of a tweak, but they made like a personality changing tweak. I think that was just the wrong move, man. Like, and it, I think you're right. It, it'll be de- it'll be depressing if they look back years from now and they think, man, we like that series was the thing that was that was the the little peak at our our path to building something. But there's a lot of time, man. There is a lot of time. Hopefully, they just don't repeat the mistake they made with Gobert. The important thing that you need to have as a front office person is to have a pulse on your organization and a pulse on the players in your organization. And I think that, and this could just be because, you know, like the change in ownership, there's just a lot of changes that are going on in Minnesota right now. So I get it. It's very fluid. But who, the, the people that are making the decisions in, in Minnesota don't seem to have a good feel for just what the team needs. Like you get a video, like for instance, you see Anthony Edwards making fun of Gobert, right? And just like roasting him. You don't go, you clearly, he doesn't have the respect of this man in the way that you need as a teammate. The answer is not to, mortgage the future and put hella picks towards getting the man that I don't even know if you're the guy that could be your franchise star respects, right? Like that's just, that's just not being on the same wavelength as what your team is. Right. And I think that Minnesota has, has done that time and time again, where they just don't have a feel of like, who's going to go well with certain guys. And if this is going to work, and they don't build that infrastructure. And we'll see what happens with the new ownership going down, going down in the next few years. But like, it's just, it's when I see, every time I see Minnesota, it's just disappointing because I don't know about you, Kyle. I love Minneapolis. I think Minneapolis, if they had a winner, would just be amazing. I think it would be great. I think it would be so awesome to see the Timberwolves be a winner. And I just think that is every time I watch the, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I just see, a lot of low expectations for a city that deserves better. 
I've never been there, but I mean, you saw how excited they got just about a little bit of success, which is going to happen. You know, if you, if you haven't had it, if you haven't tasted water, you've been wandering the desert, you haven't had a drop of water. It's going to taste pretty fucking good. That first drop that you get, I understand all that, but I mean, um, we did, did that not land? <laughs> We're here. No, we, that landed. We dropped it. You dropped it. Jake Hauptman is dropping bars out here, y'all. <laughs> no, I, I just, um, I think that uh, account here's a, here's a big thing that these things don't fit in spreadsheets. I think with basketball and, and and these are the things that are hard to quantify. Is that like you hit it? Respect is the thing that sort of begets accountability, and accountability is the thing that begets good basketball teams. Because if you don't respect somebody, I'm going to be like, and I'm on a team, and I know you don't, you're not going to have my back if I don't like you, if I don't think that you play the game the right well. I'm going to be if when it comes time for me to lay out and like sort of cover for you in a way that overlaps with what I'm supposed to do. I'm gonna be like, no, fuck that guy. I'm not going to do that. And on the great teams like the Warriors, like we saw, like, uh, you know, the teams that have gotten it done, like with Milwaukee, you see those dudes out there ready to bleed for each other because they respect each other. And the accountability yeah. is just huge in basketball, man. And when you see like when, when you watch the Minnesota Timberwolves, do you think that they will like dive on a loose ball for one another, that they would just help the helper? Do you do you ever see that they're just like a family? Like, I don't see that. That you see some, I always joke about this. I played on losing teams growing up, so I always feel like like my team. We used to get our asses kicked, and you know, like the if there's little fissures of like disrespect, those things grow into big chasms. They just do. They do. Like in that that right. like those wounds will fester. And no, I mean there are times where you watch them and they just look miserable. That's the big thing. You just watch them. You're like they're not having a good time, and that's when that's when those things really start to bubble up. And I think you just have to slowly build those things. That's probably where M Minneapolis or that where Minnesota is, honestly, because, you know, if you think about Anthony Edwards, I think you hit it. Cultural and personality fits and things like this. And it's, you know, it's not my place really to tell them what to do. Maybe I should just go ahead and do it anywhere. Screw it. But like they, they need to think about who they, they're surrounding him with because Gobert and Towns both are kind of temperamental. They seem temperamental, at least to me. And I think you, you need to find somebody that don't totally be be beholden to the players at all times. We've seen what that can do to a franchise. If you just like you're handcuffed to what a player thinks at all times, they can run a, a franchise into the ground. But they need to think about that. Who fits with Anthony Edwards? So long road ahead for the for the Wolves, I think. Okay, so before we get out of here, I'm, I'm looking, and this is the conversation that I wanted to have with you. Um, we texted before this before this uh, pod, and um, I'm looking at the. Uh, the 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 uh, the Google Doc with all the traits um, that Ben Cruz put together, and all I'm seeing, and you referenced this at the beginning of the show, is draft picks. Somebody left for this draft pick. Somebody left for, got exchanged for this draft pick. This draft pick right here. What does that say right now about where we are as a league? And what 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 are we? Because it, when I think of draft picks, I think about just ideas, and I think I made this joke. It's like crypto. Right, like it's just like you know, you don't know what's gonna happen. It's it, I, I reference when in the text I reference I said, um, this reminds me of the Super Bowl boon of crypto last year, right? Where there's just so much, so many ideas of what's going to take place actually being exchanged, right? And I'm not quite sure what this means for the future because you're just trading away ideas for actual players at this moment. And I think that's what I've always felt about trading draft picks. You don't know what they are. And it's just it's just enough to buy time. Not to say that they're not valuable by any stretch, um, but what have you? What do you think uh, we're going as a league with you know all these draft? What does that say about our league that so many draft picks are getting exchanged at this high of a rate? 
Well, a lot of them being second rounders, like we said, um, the, the thing about like second rounders is that some of these teams have, I've noticed recently, um, a second rounder has different value to every, to each individual organization. You know, we talk about the Grizzlies a whole lot that they've drafted a lot. They've got a guy in their starting lineup that was a second round pick. They've got another guy who's drafted 30th, like team teams that scout and really have this down probably are licking their chops. The more of these like second round draft picks, uh, and, and it depends on how much like developmental runway you have too. Um, that's another thing. If you're a team that's like competitive and, and you in the future, we've seen it. The two timeline thing is really, really difficult to do. And I think it, it kind of comes back to uh, building things slowly so that you have, you can sort of slowly get those guys acclimated. In terms of what it says about the league, I don't know. I just think it's moved to the point where that's these are the things that that, that people have to move, and and uh, it's kind of come down the order of operations to this is what was left. Uh, what uh, I mean, do you have any kind of thesis on that? Asking that question, do you? What do you think? I mean, like crypto wise, kind of reminds me of uh, when Coinbase had that big surge there, where like all those <laughs> everybody with like any any money at all was just like, yeah, hey, yeah, I got a little, I got a couple hundred bucks to to throw yeah. in this. I don't know if it's like that, but it's. I like, got an extra. I got uh, an extra five second round picks to give you. Why not? Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, but why not to burn? I think yeah. that uh, it's just interesting, right? Because like. I don't know. I don't know if this is like one of those trends. Like, remember, like the NBA is so known for trends. It's such a trendy ass organ uh, organization in a league, bro. Um, one day it's like everybody needs a wing. Then we need to space the floor. Wait, no. But are we going? Are we just going back to you know having big teams like the nineteen twenty Lakers, right? Just these tall, big teams that could space the floor. What are we going to be? And I'm wondering, is this going to be like just a trend that goes on for the next couple of years that, and the aggregate doesn't really mean anything of where the game is going. I don't think like the, the teams that win championships, no matter what era had the best players on the team. Like that's just really what it was. The best players in the league by and large. And you can, um, and the best players that win championships it doesn't matter what the system is. They're going to win a title because they're like Giannis is a title contender by himself. That's how good he is. But it's interesting though, that it's that it's uh that is second round picks because second round picks historically have been so easy to get. All you got to do is just buy one, you know, mm -hmm. every, how many times have you said, I mean, I know being on the West coast and covering the Warriors when I did like, Oh, okay. We see this kid, Jordan bell. Let's go. Let's go pay the money to go get him. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so like, I, I wonder what this is going to be like, how much value now are second round picks going to have, or is it going to be like crypto where it's like, Oh, this is just a one-time thing where we just traded hella picks. I don't quite know what it is just yet. And what people want, maybe it's, maybe it's that the changing into the guard right now, because another thing that I've been thinking about specifically the names that have been traded um, in this during this trade deadline, I'm thinking about a John Wall. I'm thinking about a KD. I'm thinking about a Russell Westbrook. But just names, by and large, of a different era. And I'm not talking about KD. KD has. I'm not. I'm not disrespecting him. I'm talking about just like basically, you know, this is a. All of these names were guys that were absolute superstars five six years ago. You know what I'm saying? And not to say, and I'm not, and I'm not. I'm not. I, I want to be careful because I'm not diminishing KD necessarily because he is still a top five player in this league. But more, I'm just seeing it looking like we're starting the change of the guard. Where a lot of the old, we saw this in the late '90s with you know Pat Ewing going on the Sonics, right? Or 
who am I thinking about? Uh, Akeem Olajuwon going on the Raptors, right, yeah. right? But just like these stars going, like are getting older and older now, and now they're getting traded away. And now these young guys, like a Luca, like a John Morant, um, they're all starting to get locked in on their 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 first big deals. And because of that, like you you can't just trade for a John Morant right now. It's not we're not at that point in the league. And so you want to protect yourself and be like, oh, let's go get a pick because. That's something that's easy. We can all keep our jobs, and that's something that's easy that we can just sell. Let's go get our picks. Let's go get these picks. Let's go try to build these teams because you know we are in a changing in the guard part of of the league right now, where a lot of these guys that were stars for so long are now about to phase out in the next 10, 15 years. And how do you revamp your league through draft picks? And there's a lot of great drafts coming up. You know this one specifically with Wimby going to be in a draft you everyone is 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 primed for this next era of NBA basketball and so that I think that that's a that's a manifestation of why we always have all these picks because they're everyone is gearing up for this next stage of what the NBA is going to be that was my that's my read on it well, I think you're right. It's a changing of the guard, and I think it's going to get harder and harder to stay in the league over the age of 30 just because I think that a sec- the talent level, if you compare uh, what 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 talent was there in like 2003 in the second round versus what is there. And big another thing, too, is just the spatial shift that happened in basketball. I think that like the the guys that were in. Are you saying, wait, well, I don't I want to I want to just get this like clear. Are you saying that it's going to be hard for like mid tier guys to stay after 30 or you mean like stars in general? Because I think the stars, I think they're going to be stars like generational talent is generational talent. Well, what do you if they stay healthy enough? Like Giannis is not going to fall off a cliff when he, you know, turns 30. You know what I'm saying? So like, what do, what do I, you mean by that point of it? I just think it's going to be sort of like a, you know, like a housing cra- crash. Like it's kind of like, you know, it, it maybe is going to affect, it, it'll affect all classes a little bit. You know, maybe it's going to, you know, go down the line. It'll be harder to be like a roster player, obviously. Stars, will, I think it'll be a little harder. But, you know, overall, I just think that, there's more talent entering the league at like an exponential rate than ever. And and some of that, I think what you're talking about changing the guard is that um, the guys that entered the league before the spatial shift, some guys had the skill set to survive that, you know, they had the, the sort of the, the Darwinism to uh, survive and adapt to what was going on. Like LeBron is error proof. Basically we talked about that ad nauseum, but um, I think that it's, there's just so many guys coming into the league year after year Um I don't know. I've seen an acceleration on that front. It's something I've just kind of been pondering here more and more lately. But uh, the league, we're we're just getting as a species. I think we're getting better at basketball at a crazy rate. That's just my my opinion because kids kids are just more skilled when they're younger. And um, I don't know. I think that pays all the way forward to how hard, hard it is to stay in the league. Yeah, and then we also have the infrastructure now. Like guys are getting becoming you know being celebrities and stars and getting ready for the NBA earlier than they have ever been. Right. And so sure. we'll, we'll see how that goes. Jake, how man, this was a pleasure, but um, we yeah. traded us, we traded 17 uh, second round picks to swap out you and Roger for this, this pod. Um, well, you I'm know, only saying I, that because Kerm 
uh, made me a bet that I wouldn't say it, and I said it. So, ha, Kerm. Ha. I think I'm probably right on the same level as Raja as a player, I'd say. You know, like, you know, more mm. more me more me inflating myself. Just kidding. I probably couldn't even score on Raja. I'm not even going to play the part where you said you couldn't even score on Raja. I'm just going to play the clip. <laughs> hey, Kerm, you leave don't get that the clip. In. Get the clip ready for Raja to hear on Monday. I'm sure Raj is worried about a little uh, chirping cricket like me. Uh, I was going to say, uh, you know, I wore the A's hat. I, I know I I came into your house correctly, I think. You know, I was trying to flatter the host. I wore the A's hat. So do right by me and, and play him the whole clip. Logan, I would appreciate it. <laughs> I got you, bud. Man, I think one of the best basketball minds at the ringer right here, Jay Kyle, man. Oh, I, I love your work, bud. Um, make Likewise. sure you watch his video essays. I'm a huge fan of him. I always got him on a clip. Um, watching him. I learned so much about the game from you, man. And that has been another edition of our Real Woods Trade Deadline Extravaganza. We'll see you guys Monday. I think Rob will be back. Uh, talk soon. Tap in. Bye.